This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. The Detroit is Different Podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. Bismillah rahman rahim Welcome back to Care Michigan's podcast. I'm your host and the executive director, Daoud. And with me on this podcast are my two colleagues again, Aisha Noor and Amy Ducouré. In this particular podcast here, we're going to be discussing the intersectionality or the coming together of issues relating to Muslims and xenophobia. We've had, we've just seen the longest shutdown of government in history relating to immigration and the wall. We have the Muslim ban. We have uh, the president of these United States of America referring to Caribbean countries and African countries, which the majority religion of Africa of Africa is Islam, referring to those as S-hole countries. And within this background and this backdrop, we'd like to discuss the issues that we are dealing with uh, as Muslims in the general framework of anti-Muslim bigotry and xenophobia relating to the Muslim ban, the wall, and immigration. Uh, ladies, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. We start off with you, uh, Amy. Sure. So preliminarily, I'd like to say that um, in American society and the legal system in general, immigration has always been a way to other people. Um, it was a, one of the focal points of the civil rights movement was the discriminatory laws that had been enacted that was intended to keep persons of color out of the the United States. And without the civil rights movement and the overturning of that unjust law, we a lot of Muslims would have not found themselves here. So this issue is a new it's been revived with the current administration. However, it is not a new issue to the United States. It's as American States. as apple pie. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And we've seen specific communities within our community facing um, significant um, immigration problems that before this administration often went unspoken of. We've seen um, certain communities uh, like the Yemeni community, the Syrian community, and a lot of the um, African communities facing significant immigration delays. The delays in processing their applications and getting appointments has been ongoing for decades. It just became compounded with this new administration and the Muslim ban. As many of you know, the Muslim ban anniversary, um, two-year anniversary was January 27th of, of this year. Um, it didn't really go into effect until December of 2017, but it has been uh, around since January of 2017. As soon as um, Trump took office, it was like his his initial and <clears throat> piece of legislation, or not legislation, but his initial act. Executive order. Yeah, his initial yeah. act was to to ban Muslims from coming in to the U.S., which we all know is a campaign promise that he made to the white right wing um, base. Well, one thing we could say is that he's kept most of his racist campaign promises, oh, which is... Uh, consistent. Yeah, he's consistent in his racism. Yes, he is. And that's how we find ourselves now with this government shutdown was is 
you know, to his further other promise, the wall, right, to further his racist agenda of keeping brown and um, people of color out of the U.S. Yeah, and before I move on to uh, Aisha, I know she's been speaking to some uh, classes about this at Eastern Michigan University, but and uh, and I mentioned that this is as American as apple pie. I think that uh, people in our community really need to know the history of of immigration in America and how it's tied into uh, the otherization of of people and people of color in particular. But when I say that this is American as apple pie, um, the Immigration Act of 1924, which is notoriously known as the Asian Exclusion Act, really that was the first Muslim ban. So when people talk about, oh, this is unprecedented or this is so un-American, well, right after World War One, basically all of the countries that fell underneath the former Ottoman Empire, there was a banning of Muslim immigration for the most part until 1964, which the Immigration Act of 1965, excuse me, the Immigration Act of 1965 was passed, and that was a result of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Of course, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and others were very instrumental in that. Uh, so we just need to bring in the history and also let our listeners know who are not African-American that the very existence of Muslims in this country from the Arab world, from Turkey, from South Asia, is a direct result of the Civil Rights Act of, of African Americans that paved the way for Muslims to get from underneath the, 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 we can say, the first Muslim ban legislation that was signed back in 1924. But uh, Aisha, can you jump in? Yeah, you know, just to add to what Brother Daoud was saying and what Amy was saying, is that this administration made a very clear promise to implement policies and executive orders that, you know, sideline and discriminated against black and brown people, um, immigrants, anyone who essentially didn't fit neatly into the right wing base. And they're delivering on that promise. But again, as my colleagues have said before, this isn't anything that's brand new to this country. In fact, it's just building upon a legacy of anti-blackness, of xenophobia, um, and otherization of people who essentially don't fit um, what you know the American fabric is is um, seen as for uh, many people, including those um, in the right wing and um, and who supported this administration and the Muslim ban was just only one of those executive orders um, a lot of you know folks who were in support of it you know are, are just trying to frame it as a travel ban or even some people in our base middle and left uh, would call it a travel ban and that does a disservice because it makes it look like you know something that's just exclusionary across the board um, in somewhat of an equitable way but we saw that the countries that were originally on the first iteration of the ban <clears throat> were Muslim majority countries yes um, and so it does a disservice to continue to call it a travel ban um, because we see the faces of those who are impacted and and we see cases where you know parents are separated from their children um, there was a really high profile case recently of a Yemeni sister who was unable to see her um, dying child um, and eventually was able to come in but you know this just humanizes this it shows you that the child died too, and by the, the child way. did yeah. you know eventually pass and and I mean. it sh and it shows that these policies aren't just these lofty things that happen in the White House or in government, but they impact people's lives. They tear families apart. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, it was upheld in the highest court of 
the law, the Supreme Court. And it goes to show that so much can change in such a short amount of time. Um, and right now, as Amy said, we're going through this uh, government shutdown, which is the longest. Um, and simply to uphold another campaign promise of the wall. Um, and so this is, again, impacting our Latinx brothers and sisters, many of which who are Muslim as well, and that intersection exists as well. Um, and even some of the narrative leading up to it um, that was coming from the right wing was saying that, you know, there's this Middle Eastern caravan coming through and just essentially using Orientalism and anti-Muslim and anti-Arab bigotry to even further this conversation with the wall. Um, and, and that's why now we have a government shutdown. That's why we have government employees who are unable to even feed their own families simply because this administration is committed to banning people, building walls, and trying to keep America as white as possible. And unfortunately, this isn't something new with Donald Trump. Um, this is something that has existed far you know, before Donald Trump. Immigration was a major issue under Obama. Um, it wasn't, you know... He wasn't our savior in the way that a lot of us black and brown people like to look at him. Um, you know, he was just nicer about the way he framed the policies, but they were still uh, a spike in immigration and, and deportation and criminalization of black and brown bodies under Obama. But what we're seeing with Donald Trump is it's more in your face. The policies are more rigid. They're more flagrant. Um, and that's right now what we're experiencing with the shutdown. And so... The question is then, what can we do? Because we know that the Supreme Court upheld the Muslim ban. Uh, we know that uh, President Trump is very committed to uh, the wall, not just him. Uh, Mr. Trump is just a reflection of a of a racist underbelly of American society, uh, of, of white nationalism, of white supremacy. What can we do? I mean, there are things that that the everyday person can do to try to thwart this. As we can see with this government shutdown, the the way you get at government is you hit them where the money is, right? You hit them in the wallet. Um, if the government opens back up, there is legislation that um, has been proposed by some of our legislative leaders that attempt to, to defund the Muslim ban. So if there's no money to implement the Muslim ban, there's no Muslim ban. So what we need to do is we need to, like— can, uh, like it was a very hot issue at first, right? People were calling their Congress people, people were calling their senators, people were showing up at airports. But it kind of has has fallen back and died down. So what we need to do is we we need to refresh our efforts to um, engage our our civic leaders and to call our elected officials and put pressure on them to 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 end this this unjust and unconstitutional ban on on religion. And you know. If there's any more proof that 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 anybody needs that this that the attempt to clear all Muslims out of the U.S. by villainizing them is one of the reasons that Donald Trump has said that there needed to be military at the border and this wall is so insistent is they keep talking about these Muslims or these Arabs who are coming up in this caravan despite the fact that there's no evidence that there are any Arabs or any Muslims or anybody other than people looking for a better way of life coming up through this caravan and they're using it as a way to to, to further villainize the they're criminalizing asylum which everyone has a right to um try and seek out and so you know as you're saying like this administration 
is pushing things that are unconstitutional, taking away rights and agency that every human has a right to, simply because of the color of someone's skin. And, and they're lying about it. So they're, they're, they lied about the statistics about how many people on the, the, the terrorist watch list they apprehended at the southern border last year. Mm-hmm. The statistic that they gave is a flat-out lie. Yeah, they said oh, mm-hmm. over 4,000. Right, and it, and it was 12. Lie. And it, yeah. not only that, their statistics 12 are, people, 12 not 12,000 or, right. or anything and, more. And their statistics are self-serving, right? Because they And we don't even know if those 12 people actually were, were extremists. Allegedly, yeah, yeah allegedly. allegedly. I mean, even if they were, that, that, that's self-serving because who puts people on that? list you get on that list without ever being accused of any factual like commission of a crime you're not convicted of a crime you're There's not even no accused oversight. of a crime we actually have a lawsuit so. for the listeners just to remind you relating to the uh, challenging the suspected terrorist watch list that we had one plaintiff baby doe of a nine month old muslim uh, toddler that was on the suspected terrorist watch list so we, we just as to put that in perspective about those so called 12 terrorists that may have been caught down at the border. They were throwing Gerber. Like, yeah, I mean, like, they were terrorizing diapers. <laughs> Who God knows, right? But <laughs> There's no oversight at all on how you get on that list. You can just be, you know, minding your business, just a boring kid, and literally you can be a toddler on that list. There's no oversight. Right. Well, what I can say to the listeners... Um, you know, there's there's litigation, of course, that can take place uh, relating to some things that challenge the constitutionality. But one thing that uh, we can do uh, coming up soon is that we need to get involved in the greater social justice movement. And as I say all the time, justice does not mean just us. So there's a couple of things. The 2020 election, uh, many people believe that's going to be crucial. One thing that we can do and get involved in the national movement of restoring voter rights to those who have the scarlet F, mean felony, right, who people have served their debt to society. Many of those people have uh, bogus, were convicted of bogus felonies to begin with, that they have their rights restored to be able to, to vote. And this just took place in Florida, right, where people who were convicted of felonies were able to get back their right to vote because we know that people of color and black people in particular uh, have their constitutional rights stripped and are overwhelmingly affected through mass incarceration in America of not being able to go out and vote. That's something that's very important. Number two is is to also fight voter suppression, which voter suppression is taken uh, taken uh, place all throughout America, very including in the state of Michigan. That we need to work on voter suppression. And if this is and this supposed to be a democracy in this democratic republic. Uh, the vote should not be suppressed, but of course we know there's a long legacy of voter suppression in the United States of America. And then the third thing is to encourage people uh, in our community to actually go out and vote. And I can't say this, and I know there's some people are of the school of thought that we shouldn't vote, but I am of the school of thought, we are a school of thought and care, especially at the local level, but even when it relates to state and federal issues, that if you don't vote, that you're basically adding to your marginalization, your further marginalization. So we encourage you to vote. With that, we are we have run out of time of this podcast. But again, uh, we encourage you to follow our activities on our Facebook page, uh, Care Michigan, C-A-I-R Michigan. We also follow us on our Twitter account. Um, go to our website uh, to... Uh, 
familiarize yourself with our ongoing activities at caremichigan.org. And of course, mark your calendar for our upcoming annual banquet on Sunday, March 17th at Burton Manor. You can get more information about that on Care Michigan's website. May the creator of the heavens and the earth protect you, protect your family, and protect all of the oppressed people all throughout the earth. Assalamu alaikum. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.